Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hello, everyone, and welcome, as I said at the top of the hour, to my podcast. This is going to be a very informative and inspiring show featuring my guests, Jessica Likwitz and Aiden Allman Cooper. And our focus is going to be autism. Welcome back, Jessica. Thanks so much, Marsh. It's a pleasure to be back. I'm 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 anxious to have you share what what you've been doing. And Aiden, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure, Jess. I thought we would start with you. Uh, you were on my show not all that long ago, but your book hadn't come out at that point. But for those people that might have missed that show, could you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Marcia. So my name is Jess Likewise. I'm the CEO of Hope Education Services. I've been working with kids with autism for over 12 years now, studying really the behavior um, behavioral aspects of helping kids with autism with verbal behavior and different ways of helping them learn social skills and to teach them to be successful. And over the course of my career, there's been a shift in how teachers approach things. And there's this really new, exciting opportunity to include autistic adults in that conversation. And so I've worked very closely over the past year and a half with autistic adults, helping change the conversation around autism and helping to modify the way that we approach teaching kids with autism in a way that's more respectful to who a person is and in alignment of what autistic adults want to see. Um, So that's really what I've been doing, and that's where this new book came out, and it's been a really great process and an exciting journey. Well, we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about this today, and you you really put that in in very powerful words. Aiden, this is our first time doing a show together, and I would like our listeners to know something about you, my friend. Well, yeah, um, I'm so happy to uh, be here again. And uh, for me, um, I have a little bit of a different story than uh, Jess's. So um, I'm 19 years old, and um, I'm autistic. And um, my journey uh, within uh, autism and the special needs community really began, uh, I guess you could say, since I was very young. I've always had uh, autism, and I've always ha- um, uh, felt that way. And uh, since, for me, my experience back in uh, high school, and I could honestly say in all of my years, uh, it became challenging a lot of the times. I was bullied a lot for uh Having autism, I was really discriminated against, and ultimately it really came to pass, uh, especially in high school. And at that moment I said, you know, I want to do something. I want to, you know, instead of being angry about what happened to me, I want to do something. And so since then I've been reading and writing and looking at things like a maniac, trying to figure out (laughs) everything there is to know about educational advocacy 
and uh, ultimately I founded my uh, business, uh, SECO Organization, LLC, and uh, I provide educational advocacy and consulting services to uh, parents, students, school districts, et cetera. So it's been a wild journey, and it's been something that has really been very fruitful for me. That's terrific, and we're going to really dive deep into that, but I think that it's also incredibly inspiring about where you are in your personal education right now, because you're in college, aren't you? Yes, I, I go to Kane University. It's one of the greatest places to go. Uh, it's an amazing school with a lot of amazing people, and I'm studying uh, special education, psychology, and pre-law. So it, it, it's been a fun uh, and exciting journey in the, my educational career as well. Wow. Nothing like some ambition there, my friend. That is fantastic. <laughs> I think you. it's always helpful when we have a subject around health that we define we we use some definitions because I don't believe that everybody knows the definition of autism. And so rather than have people just guess, well, I, I know what autism means, Jess, I thought that what we could start off with is doing that, just that. So could you just define what autism means? Absolutely. Autism is a developmental disorder, which means by definition that autism changes over a person's lifetime. And what autism looks like changes in, over a person's lifetime. Also is a spectrum disorder, meaning that there's varying degrees of severity of autism. So some people are mildly affected by autism, and some people are very severely affected by autism. So that's not to undermine a person's struggle, but someone who looks like they're mildly affected by autism, they may be really just emotionally very affected by their autism, but all people that are autistic have three things in common. Early on, there are delays in communication. That's beyond delays in language. That includes delays in things like eye contact and pointing, responding to name, using gestures, imitation, joint attention. So really just a lack of communication. The second thing is the lack of social skills. So as a young infant, that may be not turning your head to look at a mother and as you, know, you get as older as a teenager, it could look like social awkwardness in school, having trouble maintaining relationships. So it really changes over time. And then the third thing is sensory differences or stereotypy, and that's the fact that neurologically the brains of autistic adults are just wired differently. And the way in which autistic children or adults interact with the world is different than someone who's considered neurotypical, which is more a more traditional pattern of neurology. So all, everyone who's autistic has these three things in common. But one of my favorite sayings is if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism, you know, Aiden can tell you firsthand that the experience of having autism is very different for different individuals. But everyone has some degree of those three things in common. Well, that's really, really helpful. And I like what you said. If you met one person with autism, it means you met one person with autism. That's that's pretty profound. So I'm curious, um, how um, and just staying with you, Jess, how did you and Aiden meet? And Aiden and I actually really met, believe it or not, just in a Facebook group. Aiden had reached out to me because I had been talking about this a panel I was doing. It was a webinar. It was supposed to be a one-time event called Ask an Autistic. And I had this idea Learning really when the, this, all these restrictions happened and people started being at home, 
I had this idea of, okay, parents have these new roles to play, and they're being asked to carry on all these different responsibilities. And in reality, just because if someone knows how to parent someone with autism doesn't mean that a parent knows how to teach someone with autism. Your parents are not teachers, and inherently now they're playing the role of teachers. And so I did a lot of work with trying to help parents to understand their children better. And, you know, some of my, some of my work was quoted in Forbes and New York Times. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to offer parents a chance to speak directly to autistic adults and ask their questions directly to autistic adults. Because I thought better way for a parent to really understand autism when their child can't communicate with them. And for most, like I said, for most kids, it's developmental. Most kids who are autistic cannot communicate sufficiently as their peers. Not everyone, but most kids. I said, well, parents want to get in their kid's head. They can't do that. And I can't help them do that, but I can give them a chance to talk to other adults that are autistic and may have had a similar experience to their child. So it was supposed to be a one-time event. I advertised the event. Aiden messaged me saying, hey, my name is Jen, and I'm currently just finished high school early, and I um, have my own company, and I would love to be part of your webinar. And they said, awesome. I'd love to have you. So Aiden joined on my webinar team. That event went so well, we've decided to do it weekly. We've actually not missed a single week. Um, we did reschedule it for election night, but we've been doing it every Tuesday, 8 p.m., for I think six months now, or maybe a little bit longer. And it's been really effective. We've had thousands of parents watch the videos, which you can find the recordings on my YouTube channel, getautismanswers.com. And Aiden and I really, like, I really found Aiden and I had a special connection. We both are working very hard to make the world a better place for autistic children and for autistic adults to live. And so I had this idea for this book saying, okay, let's put this book together. Let's take this webinar and put it in book format. Let's share everybody's stories. And so I approached Aiden as the idea of co-authoring the book. Aiden has an incredible set of uh, skills that are diverse to mine. So we kind of said, okay, if we put our skill set together, we can make this happen. And that's kind of how this project emerged. But uh, I absolutely love Aiden. Yeah, Aiden's an incredible individual. And it's really, it's an incredible experience to work with him. I feel you. Have. I feel you blushing, Aiden, because you and I have spoke prior to going on the air together, and I absolutely agree with what you've said, Jess. Because he, Aiden, not I, I was not speaking to you. That you are a remarkable person to speak with. I have enjoyed every conversation that you and I have had. And I, I, would, I think this is very much about your story. So, so let's start sort of at the very beginning, and that would be, when were you diagnosed with autism? You know, for me, and I, it's just, it's, it's, you know, I so appreciate uh, hearing all these nice things that both you and Jess are saying and whatnot. It, uh, to be honest with you, the, the reason why I really wanted to team up with Jess as well as really kind of go more into depth with uh, advocacy is because of the fact that I don't necessarily feel that way. In other words, I don't, I, I, I'm starting to get to that point, but for the longest time, I really didn't feel myself to be gifted or have skills and abilities. And I think that part of that is really due to the discrimination and due to this culture of really people who have autism are, aren't going to be very effective uh, within the community or provide any uh, type of thing. But we can get into that later, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But for me, um, 
I was diagnosed with autism at a very young age. So I was diagnosed, um, I want to say, at maybe at around three years old. But at the time, they didn't really call it autism. They called it PDD-NOS, which stands for per, uh, Pervasive Deve- Developmental Delay, Not Otherwise Specified. And mm-hmm. it's funny because that was really the diagnosis where they didn't really know what was happening with the child. They knew that there was a developmental delay or something going on, but they basically just said, you know, we don't have a lot of information about autism or any other type of things that could perhaps be explained for me. So it really, they just kind of put this blank label. And then as times changed and whatnot, and there was more information, it eventually merged into autism probably when I was about maybe five or six years old. Do you have siblings? I have a twin brother, and he's the love of my life. I absolutely love my brother. He he is the complete opposite of me, a real sports guy, jock, and he. he but he is he has the heart of gold, and it's it's just a, you know, he he's neurotypical, but and I've learned a lot from him. But I really just I love having him. He is absolutely the greatest. That you know you you brought a memory up in my mind, and and those things happen when you when you have a conversation. And I don't know how typical it is, but I actually have a friend that lives right here in the Westchester community, has twin sons, one is autistic and one is not. And I, I, I think that that's 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 interesting to me, to 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 know that that is absolutely a possibility, and it's also really beautiful to know what your brother means to you, and undoubtedly what he means, what you mean to him. And that is why you both love each other so much. I just think that's terrific. So, Jess, we're talking about this book, This is Autism, and I know it it just recently came out, right? Did it come out when, in August? Yes, it came out in August. Okay. I I love the cover, by the way, because I believe that, those are the 11 adults that are being featured in your book. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So I guess what I would like to know, because you've written a lot of books, you are a modest person, and you are both very humble. It will become very apparent as we continue this conversation. But you are an expert, Jess. You are an expert. You you believe very deeply about autism and being a hero and providing all of these remarkable services, I I would recommend that, and I will mention this again, and I will also make sure that it's included in in my blog about this show, but Hope Education Services is phenomenal. And I, I really encourage people to, to check out your, your website because the beauty of the Internet today is that you really can live anywhere and get help. And we're not defined to living in one particular town to get that kind of help. And like you mentioned, you have YouTube. There are all kinds of things that, that you offer. When you decided to release this book, This is Autism, I would like to know what was the inspiration? Why did you decide you wanted to write this specific book? For me, you know, 10 years ago, even 15 years ago, I started in the field 
12 years ago, but 10, 15 years ago, there was no such thing as a unified community of autistic adults because, number one, there was not a lot of people who were diagnosed 20, 30 years ago because people didn't understand what autism was. Number two, social media hadn't existed yet. So people lived spread throughout the world, but there was no thing that was uniting people and giving them a voice. So it would have not been possible for Marsha, you and I to have met. It would not have been possible for Mm -hmm. Aiden and I to have met. It wouldn't be possible to bring together across, I have, you know, usually we have six adults that do this weekly webinar. We're across multiple states on different sides of the world. Parents come in from Uh, different countries. They come in from different states. There was no unified autistic voice. And as a result, professionals did the best they could to try to guess on what people wanted us to know about autism, what people wanted to understand about autism. And so we did the best we could as professionals, but even even professionals treating kids with autism, you know, you'd go to these big major conferences and get together once a year, but there weren't Facebook groups where people were exchanging ideas and information. And so for me, I said, what a valuable and incredible thing that social media is doing. Social media is giving a voice and creating a community that didn't previously exist. And then I also saw that there were many people who were autistic adults in this autistic adult community who spoke out against autism professionals. And whereas I would have thought I was doing everything correctly and I would have thought, wow, you know, look at what I'm doing and dedicating my life to helping people. Many of the age group of people that I worked with when they were younger were turning around and saying, we didn't like what these people did. They didn't understand us. They didn't respect Mm -hmm. us. I didn't feel loved and taken care of when I was being taught, now not my personal clients didn't say that, but certainly they might have based upon my knowledge of what autistic adults are saying about what we did 10, 15 years ago in the autism community as professionals. And so I said, we have to get this message out there because if we're making mistakes and there's people that can correct us, then we can change autism instruction for the next generation. We can stop making those mistakes so that people today have a better experience of education. And if there's a way to support kids to be the best version of themselves, but be more respectful of who they are in the process, then it's important that every professional stops and pays attention. And also, if you look at what's going on in the world in the community, there's many instances of times where even first responders did not, were not able to save autistic adults or autistic children because they didn't understand their behavior. So one of the classic examples I give is there were um, two autistic children who died in a fire because the firefighters, they were telling the, they were at the window, and the firefighters were saying, jump, jump. And so they were jumping up and down in front of the window. And so they didn't understand to jump out of the window. And so the parents went back into the house to get the kids, and the entire family died in the fire. This is horrible. What if this could have been prevented? Because a first responder would have read the book and would have understood that children with autism respond literally. And if they would have just said jump out the window instead of jump, that it could have saved that entire family. Just recently, there was a 16-year-old, I think it was 16 or 17-year-old, that was shot by a police officer and killed when a parent called in and said, you know, my child's having a mental breakdown and I need you to take him to the hospital and put him on a 48-hour hold. This child was not a threat to the police, but because the police didn't understand autistic behavior, they shot the person. 
There have been many instances in which autistic adults have been pulled over by a police that were, they were unable to respond or their bodies, they, they started stimming, engaging in this behavior that's common for many autistic adults that often can't be controlled. And as a result, the police officer will shoot them, thinking that they're a harm to them. You know, what if that police officer could recognize that behavior as being one of autism and not one that's a threat to them? So there's a lot of instances in everyday life, even just when you're riding a train in New York City and you see somebody doing something and you maybe identify their behavior, maybe you ask them to change their behavior, not realizing that it's something integral to them, or you just don't, maybe you're laughing even as an adult, even though you shouldn't be, maybe understanding what that person's experiencing will create a different world for that person and a different experience for that person. So it's vital. We can't just ignore the fact that autism exists. And if we understand it as a society, we can create a much safer and inclusive place for everyone with everyone to live and especially autistic adults. Well, that's really well said. And I, you know, unless you are in that world, you may just not know about this. And that's why I think shows that you, you know, you've been with me before and, and you, and you are very much out there in the, in the world with your uh, YouTube and everything else that you do. That's why this is really important. I, I, sometimes I'll put the news on and we've all been watching the news lately, I'm sure, maybe more than we'd like. I, I wish that there were more segments on our regular news programs about health. You know, I, I don't think that our news programs are doing as a good a job as they could do in talking about all kinds of health health conditions and health issues that just make people feel included and but also educate. And I think that that's part of what you're doing, Aiden. And, and I think what I'd like to know from you is what does it mean that autism is a spectrum? What, 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 what does that terminology mean, spectrum? Yeah, so basically what that really means is, is that kind of what Jeff was really uh, alluding to, autism is a spectrum. In other words, think of it almost like a rainbow. There are different colors in a rainbow. We have red, orange, yellow, green, blue, uh, indigo, violet, roji biv, and that kind of makes up a rainbow. That, that That's kind of like a spectrum. With autism, mm-hmm. what it really is is, is that there are different uh, levels of autism. And in other words, there are some people that have autism in which they may be mildly impacted, uh, moderately impacted, or severely impacted. Sometimes there might be people with autism who may severely be impacted um, both uh, uh, educationally, uh, intellectually, as well as um, socially. Or there might be somebody that is severely impacted with um, social issues, but happens to be one of the one of the most, uh, in, uh, according to society at least, uh, intellectually sound individuals that there is. So there's different levels, and there's different types of what autism means differently for everyone, right? And it's one of those things where people have a hard time defining a lot of the times what it is. But there is one thing that is shared, and that is there's there are common features that I believe all people with autism do have, and that's a feeling of at sometimes uh, being on the opposite ends. In other words, being on the opposite ends of society, in that there's a sometimes a lack or a resistant or a uh, not 
understanding of feel you're it's almost as if you're you you're looking uh in, in inside and you you never are really a part of the crowd and this is something that can really uh be prevalent among uh other uh people with autism but for me what i know it is is that there is this feeling of you're not understanding what sometimes is expected what's not expected uh there's this feeling of you know what are some of the uh, what what does society really think of me? So there, it's a very fluid uh, approach. But uh, if we were to talk about the spectrum wise, um, there could be several different types of combinations and uh, ways in which a person is impacted by autism. But ultimately, um, you could even have two people that have you know the the exact same uh, uh, features of autism, but there's still it's still a spectrum. And the reason why is is that autism affects people differently and it might there there like i just said it could be the same features but it's always going to be a little bit different for each person it's like a fingerprint every fi- person's fingerprint is a bit different they may look the same but it's a bit different that's with autism sometimes the fingerprints look vastly vastly different other times they look similar but they're all always different and that's what this spectrum is this is a fluid spectrum where People may be impacted not so much or quite a lot by autism, and it's really important mm-hmm. to kind of understand that and to really ensure to yourself that you have, I guess, a basic understanding because in life you're going to meet a lot of different people, and some of them may actually have autism. It's a growing trend that we're seeing right now, and so it's really important to at least have that fundamental ideal of what autism uh, really means as a spectrum. Oh, that that's really... You know, there was a time where you didn't hear about the term levels. You heard words like what I recall hearing when my children were going through school and I was very active in the schools. You heard the term Asperger's. And what I understood that to mean is that those those young people that had Asperger's were very highly functioning Young people with autism, but we don't we don't use those terms any longer. Is that correct? Well, it really does depend. So, like I said, autism is definitely a spectrum, and there are some people that prefer using the term Asperger's. But Asperger's was is a bit of a sub uh, type of diagnosis within with within autism. But um, some people still use that, and that's not necessarily something that's uh, pejorative or archaic. But there has been this trend because Asperger's is a bit limited because some people, if you were to diagnose every single person with autism with Asperger's, that would be very, very, very um, hard and not correct to do because the symptoms of Asperger's don't correlate necessarily with every single symptom with autism. Uh, A lot of times, you know, you may have somebody who's autistic that is actually quite socially adept and, but, but may have uh, difficulties in other areas. That doesn't mean that there are Asperger's and to, diagnose them with that is something that's a bit of a disservice. So that's why uh, with the uh, we, we call it ASD, Autism Spectrum Disorder, is now kind of the term that we use, and that's because it's so diverse and it's so, so, so something that is very fluid where we really don't know um, how it's going to land for each person. So that's kind of why we have it as ASD. But there, I don't think that there's anything wrong or uh, pejorative if somebody chooses to identify themselves as Asperger's. It might very well be true that they have that. It's just mm-hmm. some. there has been a trend of uh, the diagnosis being known as ASD, autism spectrum disorder. 
Thank you. That's that's real. I knew this was going to be um, informative as much as inspiring. And and Jess, I'm going to ask you this question because I don't know the answer to this. I, I think I might know the answer to this, but I am going to ask this: Do people grow out of autism? Do it? We, we talked about fluidity, as as you maybe were as a young person diagnosed um, as, um, I, I remember writing down that the words were mildly, moderately, severely. Is it, do, how, does, how does that work? Do people change those conditions as they grow? So when I first started working with kids with autism, there was this belief in recovery, this idea that we could get a child to no longer be autistic. Today we know that that's actually not true. So what autism looks like will change over a person's lifetime. And so there's every possibility that a child diagnosed with autism can grow up into a happy and productive and healthy adult who can live independently and get married and have a job and go to college and do all the things that every parent wants for their children. However, the autism doesn't go away. How it affects a person changes. And so now we have this shift and this idea, okay, we're not trying to make someone less autistic. We're just going to make sure that autism is never a reason that a child can or an adult can't do what they want to do. So we want autism to be part of or we recognize autism as part of who someone is, but we wanted to not limit a person from achieving their fullest potential. But autism doesn't ever really go away. And Aiden can talk really about what it was like as a child and what it's like as an adult and how some of those struggles have changed. But that even though you might not, you might hear Aiden speak and obviously not know that he's autistic. I mean, if you, if he didn't say I'm autistic and you heard him speak, you certainly wouldn't know by hearing him speak. You certainly wouldn't look at Aiden and say, hey, you look different than other people. You must be autistic. I mean, but in the same sense, it doesn't mean his struggles aren't there. And so I think Aiden would really be able to talk well about what that is like and how it changes over a lifetime. I would love to hear that because you're 17 years old. 19, you actually. Were first... <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. You're 19. You were... That's right. You, you're 19 years old. And when you were a young child, you might have had some challenges. Um, and I, 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 would, I would really like to give you this opportunity, Aiden, to enlighten us about your journey as, as, a, as, a, as a 19-year-old college student that, ha, that is on the spectrum. So let's, let's hear about this. I'd love to share that. Um, It's one of those stories that um, I think that a lot of people, the struggles that I've had may be uh, struggles that all of us have had, but it's one of those things where the struggles that I have had may have felt different or have been a bit more uh, intense than uh, other people may perceive them to be. So um, for me, uh, growing up, like I said, there there was a real – lack of understanding uh, surrounding autism, but the older I got, at least in my beginning years in elementary school, um, I had a lot of really great supportive uh, teachers and uh, uh, case managers, school psychologists, everything like that, because these are people that I was fortunate enough to have that are decent, hardworking, kind people. Um, and that was a, p- a pretty good time because um, I wasn't being bullied at that time. And that's something that I did mention where I have struggled with that. 
And that was a time where, despite a few uh, incidents here and there, my school experience back in elementary school wasn't necessarily vastly um, inc- wasn't vastly um, significantly different than it would be for somebody that's neurotypical, a neurotypical person's school experience. I was in uh, some classes designed uh, for uh, mainly special uh, needs students, so whether it be a speech, an OT class, something like that. I definitely had that, and I received some extra support. But um, other than that, I was mostly mainstreamed. And uh, as soon as I got to uh, middle school, that kind of loving atmosphere I was in, uh, well, I got to tell you, it definitely dissipated, um, sadly. Uh, Really, the – and I think that this is true with everyone. As we get older, we become more aware of differences within people. You know, being five, being six, being seven years old, being in the early stages of childhood, it, I think it can be a very beautiful time because you're not necessarily um, be, uh, mature or have an intimate understanding of of some of the issues that are within the world as well as the differences that we have. And as we grow older, the differences that we see sometimes can be used against us. And that was what I really saw in middle school. Um, I was pretty much bullied relentlessly. Um, There were a lot of rumors surrounding uh, me that I was gay. And while it is true, I am uh, an uh, LGBTQAI person. It's one of those things where it was used in a way that was very negative towards me. And the school, you know, their services were definitely better than high school. But there was, you know... And I've seen this trend. As I got older, the more differences people saw and the more discrimination I faced, when that was something that was very hard for me. Um, When I was younger, I used to definitely be a bit more of a handful, that I can tell you. I um, definitely would would, would drive people a little bit crazy with the things that I had. But um, as I got older, there were some things that not necessarily grew out of. I still have some difficulties in areas that hasn't changed, but I've been able to, like Jess was kind of talking about, grow a bit of a, you know, develop my potential to overcome uh, some obstacles. Some obstacles I wasn't able to, and that's absolutely okay. I can work on those obstacles still, and I might always have them, and there's not that, that's not something that's negative at all. Um, but unfortunately for me, when it really... Uh, was something where I really faced the most discrimination was really in high school. Um, high school for me was was such a very upsetting uh, time. Um, I was, uh, you know, and this is kind of why, and we can definitely talk about this later hopefully, but that was kind of why I began my uh, business uh, due to the discrimination and due to the uh, negative experiences I had in high school. But being an autistic adult, uh, being an autistic student in high school was really challenging because the area that I lived in um, is very, I guess we can call it, it's, it's a bit conservative, it's a little bit negative in that way, and there were some issues surrounding that. But what I will tell you is, is that um, as soon as I got out of that high school, I went to an alternative school, I graduated early, and now I'm a college student. It's a lot uh, it's much more of a nice uh, spot that I'm in. And I, I think it really is, honestly, due to the amount of luck that I have in the fact that I was accepted into Kane University. It's one of the greatest schools you can go to. It's one of the most diverse schools you could actually go to. And there have been schools that I've traveled to where I didn't feel as though, if you know, are they really going to be welcoming to an autistic uh, 
assume sometimes I my my belief was no, but as soon as I got to Kane, I was like, absolutely, this is going to be great. I it gets the degree that I want. It gets everything that I could possibly want, and the people, the diverse diversity. So um, right now, I haven't experienced uh, really any discrimination whatsoever at Kane, which is you know, knock knock on wood, I suppose. And um, it's just one of those things where, as I'm getting older, there are opportunities where I definitely will face discrimination. I have as an adult so far, not necessarily at school, but in other places. But I really realized that through my journey as an autistic adult, um, there's going to be, unfortunately, places where there will be discrimination faced regardless. And I just need to really adapt and make sure that um, I not only advocate for myself, but ensure that this isn't, you know, every single part of the world where they will treat you like this. Uh, that That's something that I have to really understand. And it's hard to understand that sometimes. Sometimes I think, oh, my God, the world really is just, you know. But w- those redeeming moments that I have at Kane or those redeeming moments where I'm accepted in certain places, it really, you know, it touches my heart and it makes me – feel okay to be autistic. So that was kind of my overall journey within uh, autism for me. Well, and it's it's a path you're still on. And and I I so admire many things about you. One of the Thank things you. that comes first and foremost is your honesty. And 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 the fact that you were bullied because you were gay and the fact that you didn't turn your back on the fact that you're gay okay i'm okay with that i would like to think everybody would be okay with that and i think it's your because you are able to speak so beautifully i could see you just being on a TED Talk tour across this country talking. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if TED Talk's in your future, but I could I w- certainly... I would love to, but in all honesty, and this is something that I will tell you, like I've applied for some various uh, public speaking opportunities. Like they have it on the computer. I look it up. I've applied for some of that as well as, you know, uh, other programs. And a lot of times I get rejected. And um, I think... Part of that is really due to maybe I'm young, maybe I don't have what they're looking for, but I, I think it is possible. And I'm not going to say that every single rejection I have is because of this. That's ridiculous. But there is that part of me that really thinks, is it because they think that my autism will inhibit my ability to speak in a way that's either motivating or captivating? And so it's interesting that you kind of uh, bring that up, and I'm grateful that you uh, – have such high regard for you. I have such high regard for you as well, Marsha, uh, the ability Thank to really you, interview Aiden. people and that whatnot. So it is interesting to me, at least, that you brought that up. You know, one of the downsides of the pandemic, there's a lot of them, but one of them is the inability to travel. And I, I'm going to try and say this without being emotional, but if it's emotional, it's emotional. I've had a lot of guests on my show, you would imagine, five and a half years of doing this. And some people I've known personally because maybe they lived in my community. Certainly in the first three years when I was in the studio, you had to be able to drive to where I was recording my shows because it was live and it was in a studio. So you couldn't be living in another part of the country. But there are very few people, and I mean this 
because I don't have to say this, there are very few people that I have had on my show that I would like to meet in person more than you. I, I, I mean that so sincerely. I feel like I want to just be the, the captain of your cheerleading squad because I admire, I admire how you present yourself. I admire what's important to you. And, and you're so young. And I don't mean to say that like, well, so, so how could you be this smart? And I know that that's how that exactly what that sounded like. But really what I was attempting to say in that backhanded compliment was, holy cow, holy cow, what will you, what will you be doing in 10 years from now if this is what you're doing today? It's just, it's just, I, I don't know, I am, I am truly in awe. And I guess that is the way I would say that. And and Jess, I know. Well, and Jess, I know you've worked with a lot of autistic adults. I know you used to do a panel with autistic adults. I know that. That I I don't know if do you primarily work with just adults, Jess, or do you work with children of all ages? So, Marcia, I actually only exclusively work with children. I just include adults in my books and webinars because I think it's important to have the autistic voice in the conversation of professionals. And I think that I'm a better teacher and I'm a better therapist and I do a better job helping parents understand autism when I include the autistic perspective. Because I'm a professional. I have multiple degrees. I have many years of experience. I tell you what is so much but I can Jess, you're, I have to just, I, this is a live broadcast, and so I just have to say what I'm saying right now. Your audio is really cutting out, and what you're having to say is really important. So um, please be aware that uh, your sound right now isn't coming through really clearly, and I just yeah, I did want you to know that because what I understood you to say right now was that really you work with children, that working with adults has been sort of the newer aspect of what you're doing. Did I understand you correctly? Yeah, so I don't work with autistic adults. I include autistic adults in the conversation of autism, and I help to bring the autistic adult voice to autism parents and professionals. But I don't work one-on-one with autistic adults, and I'm not trained to work with autistic adults. Um, I just include the autistic voice in my books and webinars. I understand the difference now. So that's really that's really vitally important for people to know because as I as I was looking at your website, um I I can see that you know you've written some fabulous books, everything from, you know, how to help your child potty train to everything else that's involved in in raising an autistic child, which I think is is really um really great. I, I know that we, I, I, there's so much that we can talk about, but I do want to talk about this one thing with you as we're speaking right now about adults, and that seems to be sort of where our talk, hot topic has been today. Didn't you I, – I feel like we talked about this when we were together last. Didn't you have a panel, like I think, was it called Ask an Autistic, or do I just have that all wrong? Yes, it's called Ask an Autistic, and that's the panel I was talking about in the middle of the, uh, in the beginning of the show, 
We still meet every week, Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Um, Eastern Time. You can just register on the website, hopeeducationservices.com. But Aiden's on the panel as well as sometimes five or six other people. And parents can come on and ask their questions about autism directly to autistic adults. That's terrific. That is, that is the beauty of today's technology. I, 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 I know that people are not, you know, they'll say, oh, they don't like social media. If it wasn't for social media, the three of us wouldn't be on this phone call together, and the two of you would not have met. So I'm in favor of social media. You you started to say a little bit ago, um, Aiden, about your consulting business because, you know, of course, every 18-year-old starts a consulting <laughs> business. It's, and it's called SECA, which stands for Special Education Committee of Advocates. That's which is right. a nonprofit. You, got it. I, you know, well, I did my it's I do just have to I, I apologize for interrupting you. I did just have to say that part of it is nonprofit and the ways of we I, I do have a uh very robust I'd like to say a very robust uh, pro bono clinic. We absolutely do accept pro bono or partial payout and um we that's something that we like to do, but there are some way some uh things that we do that are uh, definitely for profit, but in all honesty, what's interesting I'd say about my business is, is that compared to other advocacy and consulting uh, firms and whatnot, it's really uh, very, very, very relatively uh, inexpensive because of the fact that we just, uh, for me, my mission is really to ensure that the services that I uh, provide are accessible for everyone. It shouldn't be relegated towards one specific um, economic group. So. But I, I just had to – I apologize for interrupting you. I just had to get That's that okay. one thing out. <laughs> uh, you know something? I'm actually looking at your website as we speak, and I do see that it says here, although no, no longer a nonprofit, SECA is devoted to serve families and students and communities throughout New Jersey. So it is, it is clearly stated on your website. And so I'm glad that you clarified that because I think that that, that is important. Um. What would you want people to know about what it is you do at your business? The biggest thing that I want people to know is, first of all, educational advocacy is such a disciplined approach. In other words, it's one of those things where there are so many different types of advocating uh, within education that there isn't a specific uh, definition or label to it. But really, I'd say that the main tenets of, I guess, what my business is, as well as really educational advocacy, is to provide concrete, clear methods and approaches to clients who may be struggling if they have, let's say, children that are um, at school and they're having issues, uh, if they're having uh, it, it, uh, a hard time accessing a job or whatever it may be we've had such a diverse i've had such diverse cases i've had you know although i will say most of my business consists of parents having issues with their children in school i've had very uh interesting cases in fact i, re I remember i represented um an italian uh soccer team well they were based in uh uh, New York and throughout uh, the United States, they went to Italy uh, during the pandemic, and they were having an issue with uh, getting back to the United States. And uh, I was able to intervene and get um, I, that the, uh, some of them back. So I've had cases like that. I've had um, cases where it's landed me 
uh, with many, many, many different types of people. And that's what advocacy really is. You, sometimes you never really know who's going to give me a call and let me know, hey, I got a bit of a problem here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for my business, the big thing that I really do is I try to ensure to people that there are resources and that there are ways to help. You're not necessarily – you don't have to walk through this journey um, alone. I, I, I've had cases where while I do absolutely service uh, mostly New Jersey, if there are general manners – I've had cases in, from Washington uh, State, uh, Florida, New York, uh, all, all different types of uh, places. But if you really are looking for like the inner minutia or there might be certain cases that are relegated to one state, the state that I'm really going to serve is my home state, New Jersey. And I've had the opportunity to – work with parents and school districts, and it's been an incredible journey. And for anyone out there who, you know, it's one of those things where if, let's say, you're listening to this from uh, who, who, who knows, you know, you can absolutely give me a call. The call is always going to be 100% free because I want that first uh, connection to really be, you know, I don't want you to have to feel nickel and dimed because that's not what advocacy is. If if you're trying to make like a really big profit margin or really just, you know, be this millionaire, billionaire, th- that might not be for you. Um, advocacy is a really dri- per- personally driven uh, approach. And um, what, if you think that I can't help, try me. And, you know, if I can't <laughs> help you, I will let you know and I will refer you to somebody who can. But I suggest to anyone that may be having uh, any issues that, uh, within their education or discrimination they may be facing, remember, I've, I've done it all. Uh, I feel, feel free to look at my website, which is www.secacommunity.com. And from there, you can uh, send me an email, you can give me a call, whatever it may be. But that's really something that I do. That's really the crux of my business, and I'm just absolutely in love with it. And I will continue uh, to do this 100%. Just so that I'm clear about this, are your are the people that are reaching out to you, are these parents and, and adults that are in the special education field? Uh, yeah, not so, uh, well, uh, sometimes they might not necessarily be students. So, for example, like I did say, like I, I, I helped uh, an, an Italian disabled uh, soccer team. Uh, they're not necessarily students, but they do have disabilities. Most of my clients do have a distinct disability. I have represented people who may have, like I've had a few cases where I've had, let's say, a neurotypical child who was medically, physically uh, hospitalized and have had issues with getting back to school, uh, onto their basketball or football team. I've dealt with suspensions, expulsions from school. There are very diverse manners that I do hand, handle, but uh, I'd say 95% of the time it's really going to be uh, people that are somehow connected with the disabled community. That f- other 5% is really just for rare um uh, matters where I might get somebody, but I primarily service, but I'm willing to service really anyone who really needs some help, and I believe I can help them. That's really the truth of it. Wow. And Jess, I wanted to bring you back into this conversation because you are really an expert in this field. So what would you say are some of the strengths of autism? I think one of the strengths of autism is just the ability to 
perseverate and focus on information. And look at someone like Aiden, where he took a really difficult situation where he didn't feel like he was getting the best experience in high school. And he was able to focus and learn everything there was to know about, I mean, obviously everything there is to know, but just to learn an incredible amount of information about case law. And and he became very hyper-focused. Hyper-focusing is a strength of autism. I mean, I have a difficulty hyper-focusing. I get bored quickly and move on to something else. Aiden has just been able to just really focus on this and learn so much information very quickly. You know, I think that's a very big strength of autism for sure. And one of the things that I've found is that oftentimes autistic adults are, because they've experienced the world differently than other people and because they've had different challenges that you and I might not have had, that I have found overwhelmingly, and not for everybody, there's different personalities in every community, but overwhelmingly, Autistic adults are some of the kindest, most accepting people that I've ever met. And they just want everybody to be loved and taken care of. And I think that's a really big strength. And many autistic adults wind up working in a special education or related field or working with people with disabilities because they want to give back. And I think that's really beautiful. There are definitely some companies that really um, encourage the diversity in their businesses, and I'm sure you have found that where where you are, and, and Aiden, perhaps you have as well. And I think that that when you talked about the ability to focus on information, I I would love to be able to do that in a better way. Uh, obviously, I'm a lot older than both of you, but I think that the hyper focus is um, can be seen as as um, a good thing. Maybe maybe it can get like, oh my gosh, turn it off already. I I I need a break. My my eyes are starting to cross. But I mean, when you're when you're as um, focused as you are right now to get through college, to get a law degree, to do all of these things, um, the ability to to focus as you have just described, I think probably works works to your advantage. So this is when it, this is what what I think about. Um, Aiden, when we're talking about the entire adult, not just Aiden, the student, and Aiden, the founder of your your company, but balance is so important. Today, I I don't think that the term balance is is talked about enough. Whether you are Jess, whether you are you, Aiden, or whether it's me. So out of curiosity, Dayton, uh, Dayton, did you see where I went with that? Um, there you go. That's I, That won't be, like, fixed. That goes into the show just as it was. So Absolutely. what, what I right. like to – yeah, it is. It is, what, it is what it is. So what do you do for fun that balances out all of the intellectual things that you do? <laughs> I got, I'm laughing because it's, it's honestly – I'm, I'm really, you know, occupied with – a lot of uh, things on my plate, and but before I get into that, I just want to just briefly just get back to what was just what Jess just really said. Um, Jess is really uh, I have such tremendous respect for her. She's one of the greatest allies you could possibly have um, as an autistic person, and I think that you kind of mentioned balance and everything like that. Having someone that is that may not be autistic, such as Jeff Jess, recognize that there may be need, a need for um, balances or a break for uh, people with autism, uh, recognizing the strengths and weaknesses. It's just such a beautiful thing. And I think that there's also a balance of, you know, 
the daily activities in life, but we also need a balance of people uh, in life who, you know, are really able to look at things and not necessarily be judgmental, have a deep and fundamental understanding, despite the fact they may not be impacted with something, they have this deep and personal understanding, and I just, I, I respect the heck out of uh, just just for that, and thousands, maybe even millions, you could possibly say, of people that really are allies and people that really are the cheerleaders for um, autistic, uh, autistics as well as people with other disabilities. But to go back to your question, for fun, really, um, let me tell you something. I'm, I'm, I'm some of the biggest fans uh, of Netflix, Netflix, Hulu. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm signed up for that. I literally, after a long day, I, what I do is I just veg out on the couch and I watched. Um, uh, what do I, I watched Judge Judy. I love the Bachelor, Bachelorette. Even though I shouldn't, I do love those reality shows. And I, <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 I do find little things throughout the day. But to be honest with you, um, I don't have a lot of time for that. And I'm going to definitely take up your advice, Marsha, of finding that balance because I find myself sometimes like, wow, I need a bit of a break. I'm really stressed. I'm tired. But, you know, and I think I've started to a little bit. Like I yesterday I got a massage, which was nice, a nice little thing to take mm-hmm. a break self-care. from uh, the day. Yeah, self-care. And I think that that's just so important that you alluded to self-care. And you've talked about this before with me uh, previously as well as just overall. I think that it's important and it's really great of you to mention self-care and taking care of yourself because, you know, you, you want to be able to get along in this world in a way that's successful and happy. And I'm really grateful that that you're somebody that really supports that because, unfortunately, there are some people that may not see that value. So I think it's really important that you bring that up. Well, because we are all connected on social media, I happen to know for a fact that Jessica has one of the coolest dogs in the whole world. Oh, and the coolest Oh, my God, that lap dog that thinks it's a lap dog. Oh, yeah. And I know because because Jess and I have talked a lot, Jess, you and I, that your your, um, physical uh, routine is also very important to you, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. I think if you want to well, you have to stay in your house. And so for me eating healthy and nutrition and taking care of your body by exercising daily and meditating daily, to me that's all part of it. Mm-hmm. Aiden, I would suggest, just based on what Jess just said and the fact that I'm I'm sitting on her camp there, if you have not had the opportunity when you're watching your, your Netflix and Hulu to maybe consider, even on, on, on your television, picking up a yoga class, or if for no other reason, um, not so much can you do all of these, you know, warriors and all of these, you know, uh, facing down and all these other, all these poses that you do in yoga, but it's the breathing. And I believe that that has probably been the fundamental change that I have made in my life. When things do feel a little hectic and crazy, it's like, oh, my goodness. And it's like, all right. Remember what you've learned about this meditation. Remember what you've learned about this mindfulness. Remember what you've learned about stillness. And when you are as actively engaged as you are, Aiden, in so many activities, just being a student alone is one thing, and then running a company is another thing, and being available for people you know, 24-7, the availability to you so that you can give all of this out 
now I sound like your your parent here, but you know, that I was, <laughs> I've been a mom a long time, is that that you do whether it is that massage or you're just before you get out of bed in the morning, you take that deep stretch and that deep breath and that mindful gratefulness that we can all that we can all find in our lives. It really is a settler. It really does settle down those of us that that are on the high side of anxiety and excitement and you know always going a mile a minute and if you if you don't do that I sure recommend that you you consider that as well because I think it's 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 valuable well, to tell you the truth, Marsha, I actually, for the longest time, I was in yoga. I did uh, Hatha yoga. I did okay. uh, several different types of yoga. And you know what? And that's a problem that I think I faced as well as countless others. Things got really crazy, especially during this time. And to be mm-hmm. fair, things did close down and whatnot. Right. But th- as things are reopening or whatever, there I think because things are just so crazy, there's almost a resistance to uh, self-care, not intentionally, but because you're just so busy. And I really appreciate that's really great advice, and i got to get back into it. But when I did the yoga thing, it really was a great hour out of my day to just be in tune with myself and to just be at peace. And I, I think that you're right, and even if you're not able to, breathing. Sometimes I, you know, I, I breathe, but it almost feels like I forget to breathe. You know, I mean, breathing is involuntary but i don't necessarily i'm not in tune with it a lot of the time exactly that makes sense it it absolutely with intention and there are my my yoga classes on zoom like everything else that we're doing today it's not just a camera any longer and there are so many uh, opportunities to do things like that now where you don't have to leave your home and you can be in the comfort of your home i just want to let everyone know that there are some incredible links that i will put into my follow-up blog from this show so that people can find you, they can learn more about you. And, and you know, the other thing is you don't know who you're inspiring. And I would say this to you, Jess. There could be somebody listening to this show right now that's thinking, I don't really know what kind of a career I'd like to go into. But after listening to Jess speak, I think this might be an opportunity where I would like to be there for autistic children and their family. And you, you you just never know where the inspiration comes from. And that's why I love doing this so much every week because everyone does have a story. And my goal is to is to tell the story, to make this world a better place, one story at a time. I am a story collector, and I just want to thank both of you so much for taking the time out of your day to tell your stories to me and to those that are listening. I am so grateful for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It was truly an honor. Thank you. Jess, we'll we'll, we'll do this again, my friend. I I appreciate it. I I do. This is, you know, we're coming to the end of a year that nobody could have had a vision of seeing, but I often have repeat guests just like with you, Jess, and Aiden, I certainly expect to do this again with you in the spring or or summer or whenever, but I wish you both all the very best, and I just want to thank all of you for listening today, and, you know, you can 
Find me on every social media platform there is. So if you're a podcast lover, by all means, go ahead and subscribe to my show, and they will all load up in whatever app you have. But for now, I'm going to say goodbye and let you get on with your evening, and I look forward to having my show next week where there's always somebody interesting sharing their story. And thanks so much for everyone for listening. Goodbye for now.